Hi, my name is Uncle Steve, and what you are about to hear is side two of my Bark at the Moon review with my friend, the most hated man in podcast land, Mark. Since we are reviewing an Ozzy Osbourne album, I wanted to take a moment, albeit a bit late, to say a tiny bit about Lee Kerslake, the former drummer in the Blizzard of Oz band that turned into Ozzy's solo band. He did a lot of other things outside of that. He recorded albums with Uriah Heep, I believe about 17 or 16 albums. I can't remember which one, but uh, I just want to focus on uh, the Aussie side of things here. Um, like I said, he, he was in Blizzard of Oz, and that did turn to the solo band that, you know, per Aussie's management. Um, me and Mark have already reviewed the two great albums that Lee played on and co-wrote so much of um, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Now, Lee passed away from prostate cancer on September 19th, 2020, at the age of 73. I find it really sad that when Lee passed away, this here was the only statement that Ozzy released regarding Lee a guy that helped write the albums that helped Ozzy's solo career take off. If he didn't come out with those albums, uh, and albeit Randy Rhodes played a huge part, but if he didn't have the team together, he may not have put these albums together and who knows where his career would have went. But uh, here's the quote from Ozzy. And this is in 2020 and Blizzard of Oz came out Diary of a Madman came out in 81, so it would have been roughly 39 years ago. So here's Ozzy's quote. It's been 39 years since I've seen Lee, but he lives forever on the records he played on for me. Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. Lee Kerslake, rest in peace. Wow. I think that's really sad. This is a guy that obviously spent a few years with Ozzy making music. Uh, Lee formed a band with Ozzy. He didn't just play for Ozzy. He formed a band and helped write songs and helped record two great albums. And he didn't just, he wasn't just a hired gun like everyone afterwards. Now, conversely, uh, Eddie Van Halen passed away, I guess about two and a half weeks later on October 6th. Now, Ozzy put a statement out like this when, or this is his statement when Eddie passed away. He said, Eddie was one of the nicest guys I ever worked with, and we shared so many laughs together. His influence on music, and especially the guitar, has been immeasurable. He was an absolute legend. Eddie, I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Love, Ozzy. That just kind of baffles me. Uh, I don't. I just don't understand the Osborne camp. The, I guess the, to me, the biggest difference is that Eddie was this huge legend, obviously, and he did change the way guitars sound. Whereas Lee was a great drummer. He didn't probably change the way drums were played. And, you know, Ozzy's coming out and saying a big statement like that about Eddie is, I think it's more of a society kind of thing. Well, everyone's going to say it and I better say it too. And, you know, I'm sure they were friends. So either way, uh, I just I, I find it disturbing. It, it, it to me it shows shows a lack of um, what do you call it um, loyalty. I don't know. Uh, okay, 
I got a few things written down here um, from some things I looked up just because I found them interesting. Uh, in 1998, uh, Lee Kerslake and Bob Daisley filed a lawsuit together against Osborne and his wife and manager, Sharon, trying to get royalties and songwriting credits for their contributions to the two albums. Uh, albums they played on and helped write almost 20 years prior to that in 98. The Osborne camp responded by removing Lee and Bob's performances from the 2002 reissues of both albums and having them uh, re-recorded by Robert Trujillo on bass and Mike Borden on drums, which have been discussed if you listen to uh, the Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman episodes. I'm not going to go into it here. Uh, due to fan outrage, they were restored in 2011 when they were reissued again. Curse uh, Lake said he was unsure why the Osborne camp had treated him so negatively. And here's a quote from him. I got a couple of quotes from him, I guess. Uh, the only thing I could ever recall was once Ozzy had asked me to speak to Sharon on his behalf regarding two shows in New York in one night. Ozzy said, I cannot do two shows in one night, not with my voice. He told me to tell her. I did as he said. I would have died for Ozzy as we were a band and I loved him so much because I broke the news to her. She hated my guts. And he said this about uh, nine years ago. Uh, entertainment attorney, Stephen Machat, uh, it's M-A-C-H-A-T. I don't know how you say that. He, who was involved in the deal Osborne signed with Jet Records, said in his 2011 book, God's Gangsters and Honor, a Rock and Roll Odyssey, that Sharon was not happy with the level of creative input that Daisley and Kerslake had in the band and wanted Ozzy to have full control. He surmises this led to the split and any ill will she has since harbored for the drummer. Album producer Max Norman, who produced both albums, concurs that Daisley and Kerslake made considerable songwriting contributions during their time in the band, while also noting the Osborne camp might want to dispute that now. Personally, I've been a huge fan of Ozzy ever since the mid-1980s. I've always loved the personality that he gives off. He's always seemed to be a very nice guy, a guy that loves his family, and I totally respect that. He seems like a really genuine guy, but all I've seen is on TV, and like they say, when it comes to reality TV type stuff, uh, when the camera goes on, the reality stops. So, The Osbournes have a long history of treating musicians that they have worked with in a very bad way, and I hate that. I mean, I know it's a business, but gosh... Why not take care of those that have taken care of you? I just don't get it. Um, I apologize for this little rant. Really what I wanted to ultimately say, I think that Lee Kerslake was a fantastic drummer. His work on the Aussie albums is fantastic. And Lee, I hope to see you on the other side.
right. Welcome to episode 37, side two of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. Today you are getting side two of the Ozzy Osbourne album, Bark at the Moon. I'm sure if you heard side one, you're thinking that there is nothing that the most hated man in podcast land could say to make you hate him even more than you already do. Well, trust me, when you are done with all of this, you will hate him even more. And and that's a good thing. Trust me. All right, well, let's get to it. Uh, did, did I mention that I had the most hated man in podcast land on with me today? My my friend Mark? Let's let's just get to the let's just get to it then. Okay, go ahead. Okay, uh, you can take the next song, uh, "Center of Eternity." Cent- yeah, and it's spelled wrong, by the way. Spelled like the English version <laughs> yeah. of it. Just, oh, you noticed that? I huh? think one of the the English ministers. Yeah, Ministry of Truth and, and Love and so forth. Yeah. Ministry of Truth. Yeah. Um, you hear references of that actually all over rock. Yeah, nineteen eighty four is a massive influence on rock and roll. Right, and you know, you're as long as you're not talking about the Van Halen, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's a different thing altogether. Yeah, to be honest. Okay, this track is probably the most Randy esque of the album. The organ in their choir opening is somewhat reminiscent of Mr. Crowley, not the same thing, okay. And Diary of a Madman. I like the melody and the moody feel as it opens and holds for effect before the guitar punches in for full on assault. Ozzy comes in with the vocals, a lot of reverb that adds to the overall ethereal feeling of the song. Ooh, I threw in a very fancy word. I'm ethereal. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that, uh, rockin' folks. You must have got that from your friend. <laughs> yes, yes, one of my, my, my friend, you know, that shall not be named. That guy. That guy. Jake does a good job providing the riffage with little evidence of keyboard backup, thank God. I have to say that this is one of the few times on the album that I actually approve of the keyboards. In the intro, it works well. For the theme of the song, it doesn't really work against the guitar that Jake provides. One of the few times. <laughs> it seems to drop out after the intro anyway. The rhythm seems pretty good, but I think that Jake could have done a little better job with the originality since it seems a little too standard 80s to my ears. The bridge works well, and I like the interplay with the lyrics here. The solo that follows is overall very well done. It actually seems extended over what we hear in the previous tracks of the album. I like that Jake was given the space to show his stuff. We then move back into the main riff and final verse with chorus, but no solo outro as it ends abruptly. 
Too bad. I think the song could have used an uplift with Jake taking us out with some lead work. Sure. Overall, I think the song works, but if it were me, I would have slowed the tempo and made it more thematic to the title of the song. A little too cookie cutter, but the melody lines from Ozzy are very well done, and Jake does a decent job in instrumentation. Okay. Seven out of ten. Wow. That's... Okay, seven out of ten. Okay. Well, considering the fact that uh, how horrible the first two tunes were and the rating I gave those. Do you have your big boy pampers on right now? <laughs> I hope no, so. Okay, this almost seemed like a poor man's version of Mr. Crowley. Oh, definitely. So this that, that was sort of my general impression. I had this thing happen to me a long time ago. You know, like I said, this when I think back, this is this album, I don't know if it goes back further than when I got into Kiss um, in, in 85, but, but it may. Because I want to say, this is like the first album that I really identify. When I think of albums, I mean, I really identify with, this goes so far back for me. Yeah. I remember where, where my parents lived. We, we moved on some land, we put a trailer on the land, and then we built a house. We were still living in the trailer, so this had to be when I was in sixth, had to be when I was in sixth grade. Sixth, so that would have wow. been, yeah. well, sixth, sixth or seventh grade. I remember I was laying on the couch. This is strange. And it was whenever, I guess, it started getting dark earlier. So it was like 6 p.m., but it was dark. And for some reason, I remember waking up. And right after I woke up, I must have had a cassette where, you know how you you would play the cassette and then they had the players that would automatically flip over? Oh, yeah, yeah. Without having to take it out and flip right, it over? Right, right, right. It had auto mechanism. I woke up. Six o'clock at night, dark outside, and um, and this is what I hear. Creepy, right? Yeah, I'd say so. So, I woke up to that. It was just creepy. <laughs> then, I get up and walk around the house. Nobody's home but me. Okay. I woke up. It's 6 o'clock. It's dark outside. So, what do you think I'm thinking? You're thinking it's like in the morning? It's 6 o'clock in the morning. morning. Yeah. Why is nobody right in my here. family <laughs> here? Yeah. And why is this song well, playing, playing right yeah. when I wake up? It's, yeah. it's really strange. Um so, um, yeah, that was always, it's always a weird memory I have. I can remember the ugly couch that I was laying on that we had, you know, <laughs> like an early 80s yeah, you know, yeah, little couch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I said, a, a vivid memory of, yeah, of it's really strange. It's strange. You uh, didn't recognize it for the song or was it just like, the it's, fact it's, that it's the, it's both. It's yeah, the, it's the fact that that was what started playing. I see. Okay. You know, oh, it's just, it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's but okay, so I said I think this is a throwback to a Mr. Crowley type of song, you know, because of the creepy intro. I think they did it on purpose. Yeah. Because they're trying they were like, Mr. Crowley was so awesome. Yeah. That we're gonna try to replicate it. Yes, yes. Um I said I do like it, but it's no Mr. Crowley. I I really love the way the keyboards sound on the intro. Yes. Uh it's very organy, creepy sounding. Uh I said this song is a banger for sure. It's got a fast-paced driving beat and a nice riff from Jake. I like I like the riff he plays. Okay. I said uh, lyrically the song is just ho hum for me, but I like it. Uh, the drums are great. Day, uh, Bob Daisley's holding down the back end really nicely. 
I like all of Jake's playing behind the vocals and throughout the song. Uh, and I, I like the way the music shifts on the abridge, you know, where it's, I've got to travel forever, you know, that's really, I like, that's, that's probably my favorite part of that song. I love, I love, that's a really cool sound. Uh, it doesn't last very long though, you know, it gets right back <laughs> no, into the faster right pace. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I kind of might agree with you that it might've been a, might would have been a little better slower, but I do like the, when, when Randy's just playing the riff, you know, and it's, Randy. okay. So, so we get to the solo and Jake comes in blazing with a nice run up the fretboard. Yes. Um, I said, uh, Bob Daisley's backing him very nicely as well. Uh, I really like the way Jake is wailing in the solo. His guitar playing is the highlight of this song for me. Yes. Um, musically, I like the song. Everybody's pl- Everyone's killing it. Every musician is killing it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the melody of the song, although I think vocally Ozzy sounds good. Yes. Um, the melody wasn't bad. I like and it. I do like that this song has a real ending. Yes. I'm not a... Play the song the way you would end in a concert. That's what, whenever I reviewed the first Yeah, Iron, yeah, I, I agree with that. When I reviewed the first Iron Maiden album, I remember about halfway through it, it hit me. I was like, these songs were made to be played live. Yes. They're set up to be played live. They're not made. They're not doing a lot of overdubs. Yeah. And they actually have it's an ending. Big, so you know, yeah. like that last album, <clears throat> either Diary or Blizzard had a song that had like an 80 second fade out. I mean, come yeah, on. yeah. yeah. Only good part was Randy was playing, you know. <laughs> uh, that's all I yeah, got. I, I tend to think it's a little bit lazy for artists not to have some type of really yeah. cool ending, right? Because yeah. I think it really is awesome when they can do that. Songs makes the song better. So yeah, oh my gosh, we actually agree on something. Kiss had a song called "I Love It Loud." Yeah, and it faded out not once but twice. Twice because yeah. it fades out, then it fades back in, then it fades right back out again. It's like come on, like Strawberry Fields Forever. Um, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes to that, even though I have no yeah, idea yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know okay. it's a Beatles song and I yeah, yeah. know how it goes. It has two fades. It's I'm not, th- I'm not that familiar with the song. So no, I'm not Zeppelin familiar. does it too on thank you. There's a song called thank you. That does it. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So next song up is for me. I'm taking this one first. It's called so, so tired. tired. Yes. Um, it's a ballad that I've always hated and I've always loved. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but as I've grown older, I just love it. Okay. Um, it seems like a really heartfelt song. I think Ozzy sounds great in the song. Uh, the symphonic sounds that uh, Don Airy plays on the keyboards, that provides a song that's... Uh, it pro- the, he, the symphonic sounds that he provides for the song are very fitting. Yes. Let's say that 10 <laughs> Yeah. This is, kids, this is what happens when you've been up for about... How many hours? Let's see. What would that be? I've been up since 8 o'clock yesterday. <laughs> 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. So I'd be 29 hours. Yeah, 29 hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, let's see here. Uh, I said, lyrically, this is a song that a lot of guys can probably relate with. Yeah. I'm so tired. I just yes. can't wait around for you. <laughs> Um, yes, it's time to move on, yeah. as they say. I said, uh, the bridge is awesome. You know where he says, I often sit and wonder why? Uh, I like that a lot. I like where it goes right there. Uh, and then Jake gets to his solo. It's it's subdued, but it's I think it's perfect for the song. I like the way he sounds. Um, to me, this song is excellent. I love the music. 
the vocals, the lyrics. Even though when you want metal from Ozzy, this may seem kind of corny. It's a perfect song, and you're you're probably about to uh, punch me in the face. Very much like Tonight from Diary of a Madman. Um, I'd probably give this song about a eight and a half. Okay. Um, I didn't give the last song a rating, so I want to go back to it. Uh, Center of Attorney, I'd probably give it about a seven. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there you go. Go for it. Okay. So. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to hide a sneeze, but you had to ask me about it. <laughs> go ahead. That was a lot of fire. I was a little concerned. Yeah. Okay. So, so tired. Wow. And now I'm for a complete change of mood. We have the obligatory ballad. The real ballad of the album. Yes, that typifies so much of the 80s rock scene at the time. Ozzy has a deep love of the Beatles, as you, you guys probably know. And it shows here big time. We begin with a soft piano melody that's actually pretty good that has additional support from a string section that leads to the vocals. I think that Ozzy does a fantastic job with the melody delivery here and in spite of its sappy tone overall. Yeah. I am not sure, but Jake does very little of anything here, and that's okay, since I'm a fan of varying the type of how songs and album provides to the listener. The strings really play a dominant role, and it conjures up images of, believe it or not, the 70s, <laughs> which makes this track perhaps a little dated in its production. Um, also, I think, once again, the tempo is too fast, and it would benefit from a slowing down in general. Too fast? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's a little too fast. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think for the ballad stuff, they, 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 the tempo is too, too fast on this one. Are you remembering this right? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. This, this is very this slow. Listen to this. That's that's up around. If you go down by a ten percent slowing down, it would make for the feel okay. for the ballad okay. feel. That's kind of my view. Okay, I disagree. Uh, I, go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the audience knows I'm right anyway. So, uh, uh, oh wait, hey Mark. Yes. Go ahead and keep talking and tell myself and everyone else that hates you <laughs> what you think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to say that at least once every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to keep reminding the audience about who's, who's actually talking here. Who's actually hated, right? Yeah, who's actually hated. <laughs> okay, so I noticed that the Randy album seemed much more varied than this album in that respect. The solo comes in as a melodic interlude that works well in context, but to me seems the strings seem way too high up in the mix, and it interferes with what Jake is doing here. It would have been better to keep them lower in pitch and let the solo shine more, in my view. The chord progression seems a little too static, and the song would have been better with the change in harmony in this section. We then end as we began with another chorus with little to no outro, with no fade. I am noticing that the song seemed to me much shorter than the previous two Randy albums. Deliberate? Not sure, but I don't think it serves the album well. Standard ballad, since I think I'm a little spoiled by the Randy ballads, which seems to me to be better written overall. Having said that, I do like the song. It's about a 6 out of 10 overall. I think the Randy ballads are much better than the song. And I don't think the Randy ballads actually were quite this fast. I think they were slower in tempo, particularly Goodbye to Romance. Yeah, like Tonight. Yeah, Tonight tonight was probably maybe closer in tempo to this one. Um, It's it's corny. I mean, I get like It's a corny, it's very sappy. But yeah, it works. It, it works okay, but like I say, the production on this could have been so much better. And the fact that the strings were mixed way too high, and the, Jake's like playing some notes on the keyboard. I'm sorry, on the guitar, 
and you're and he's doing that, and you're like you're struggling to hear what he's playing. You know, and I hate yeah. that. I really hate that. Um, I guess that's just what I'm. I've always. I've just. I'm, that's what I've always been yeah, hearing since you, back then. Yeah. So, so you you listening to this since you were 13. It's, it's like, normal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's standard. Just, it's for just you. what it is for me. So yeah, I like. I like it. I come in with a, diff- a different set of ears. I hated it when I was a kid. Right. You know, because I was just like. I want Bark at the Moon. I want. Yes. I yes. want. You know. I still have that kid in me that wants that, right? I still like it, but yeah. I just, it, I just, you know, it is what it, it, it's what it was. It's, you know. No, I, I think if you're going to do a rock song, do a rock song. Get rid of the, the Casio and go straight with that. The Casio. Yeah, and you're and talking do, about Don Airy though. He was a very well-known keyboard player. It may be the case, but it didn't work well for this album. I, I don't think so, but. You know, if you have like the straight ahead rock stuff, let Jake sign. Let him play more. Well, and I don't think they let him do yeah. that on this album much at all. Not as much as they should have. Yeah. You know, because if if there's any doubt in your mind about Bark at the Moon, the first song about how good this guy is, shut up because you know he he can deliver the goods. Yeah, and why they why they didn't let him do it more is a mystery. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's a good song. Not great. I think I prefer the Rainy Ballads more, but it's it's actually a pretty good song. I like it. Okay. We can agree on that, even though you ranked it too low. <laughs> okay. So, wait, wait, what was your rankings? Was it eight? Or was it I seven? think I said about an eight. About an eight. Yeah, eight or eight and a half. I, I like it. I mean, I mean, if if, if you know, if, if you're getting down to the nitty gritty, I mean, is this like a phenomenal song? Is it probably worthy of an eight? No, but I love the song. I mean, so it is. The rankings are irrelevant. Is yeah. it a good song or a bad song? I like the song. The, the, one of the reasons why I rank it the way that I do is the fact that I think they missed a lot of opportunities for production on this. They could have produced this much better in a mixed sense, and the song would have been sounded you know, so much yeah. better than what it was. So I think, is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I, I heard rumors that they pushed this through quickly, through production, and they kind of rushed it. And so they didn't spend a lot of time Going through and because I know Randy complained about that, there was some solo stuff that he wanted to do they changes. Did, that on. definitely did on Diary. Yeah. On Diary, so I'm sure they did the kind of the same thing with with, with Jake here know. on this album. I don't know for that for sure. I don't know. I heard some rumors that, that was that probably Ozzy's part of the recording. Yeah. <laughs> of the, maybe of the so. Production, maybe you know? so. But it seemed like the production on this album was not nearly as good as the Randy's. Okay. Okay. So uh, am I still hated? Okay, just check. <laughs> Did you take that one first, or did I take that one first? I think uh, I, took that. I took that one first. So yeah, the you next one is for you. The next slow one, down. Slow, hey, slow down. Slow down. <laughs> Not too fast. You're moving way too fast. Way too fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next tune. You think I'm going to like this one or not? What do you think? I think you'll be middle of the road. I think you'll like it, but you'll say it, it's not as good as Bark of the Moon or Rock and Roll Rebel. You think so? Okay, let's find out. You're gonna be, this is the best song on the album. <laughs> Just to prove you wrong, Steve. Yeah, yeah. You just, you'll change your whole, yeah, yeah, your whole Hold on, let me, let me revise the narrative. Let me yeah. minute here. I can't agree with you. That's my worst case scenario. Yes. Okay, now we're back to rocking. That is a good thing. We begin with a pedal tone riff that sounds like Jake has a chorus effect as a, sub, as a subtle addition. It sounds really good, and I really dig the feel that he produces here with a high-energy tempo that works on this song. Ozzy comes in with inspired lyrics with yet another great melody line. I love the intensity of this song as we move into the chorus. Ozzy does not disappoint here as he gives performance as one of the best on the album. Jake seems to support Ozzy well, but... Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. We have a reappearance of unnecessary, and I do mean unnecessary, keys that really just get in the way of what Jake is doing. I'm sorry to say that the line is stupid. It only takes away from my listening experience. As a producer, I would have had Jake do some magic here rather than resort to the strategy. 
The only question I have is why. The bridge hits with some stellar work by Jake to kick off the solo without being too encumbered with extra instrumentation. I love this feel here with low riffage before his melodic additions with just awesome pinch harmonics. This is probably the best solo outside of Bark of the Moon. And then we move into more keyboard for the outro. <laughs> Very disappointing. Jake is again underutilized as just being doing chord stabs around the keyboard notes to, to, to end on a fade out. Oh well, once again, like using a BB gun in a war. I just can't understand why they kept him so far back in the writing process. Perhaps they were scared how much Randy had dominated in the albums before. Can't speak to this, but it seems a step back to me. Very good song, however, despite the keyboard crap. Eight out of ten. Wow, an eight? Yes. Maybe they maybe they held him back on purpose. You know, maybe they kind of, I don't know why they would do this, but maybe they deliberately sabotaged him. Maybe they have. You know, a little bit, because they were like, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that really. I mean, I'm just kind of. But they, just, they're hurting themselves, right? Because yeah. everybody had these high expectations for after the Randy albums, you know, for having Jake perform. Sure, to this. sure. And I think they were just, it's not doing them any good. By, by pulling Jake back like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. So, what, were you surprised? Uh, yeah, I'm actually really surprised about that. You, you, you ranked that higher than you ranked uh, Rock and Roll Rebel. I think that was Rebel. highest. Yeah, yeah, I did. I think wow. It was I think it was a better song than Rock and Roll Okay, well, I hope so. Here, I hope you strap your pampers on. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Lay it on me, Steve. Next up is Slow Down. Yes. Another rocker. But to me, it was never as good as Rock and Roll Rebel. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening to it a lot lately, and I don't feel quite the same. It starts out with a really cool intro. Like you said, that uh, the sound on this guitar, you know, it's like he's got a pedal and he's doing something with it. Uh, Okay, I said it's a really cool intro, and it really kicks in uh, Bob Daisley going to town on the bass. I said it's almost what you would expect to hear Steve Harris from Iron Maiden do. He's like, I mean, he's just, you really like that. box it hard. The guitar. his fingers, by the way, not a pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, the guitar playing behind the vocals is great, you know, as the bass as is the bass. To me, the bass is a highlight on this song. It's like, because he's just, he never lets up. He never lets up on that. I said, some of the lyrics are a bit corny. But the song is so good to me that I don't mind the lyrics. Um, And then I said, you know, in a way, these lyrics could be from Bob Daisley to Ozzy directly. (laughs) Guess what I'm about to do now? Uh Uh-oh. What's what's that? Lyrics. Oh, here we go. (laughs) I'll never bother keeping up with you. Burning the candle at both ends is true. Which I heard that was. uh, uh, You know the writings on the wall. Why do you ride to take a fall? Slow down. You're moving way too fast. You know you're never last. Your haste is making waste. Slow down and join the human race. One thing that I remember about this album as a kid, when I had the cassette, that there was extra lyrics on the lyric sheet. Okay. I, and I can't remember exactly what they were, but I think what you I remember... Was, lyrics that were not sung? Is that what yes. You okay. Or it might have been... You know, where it's like, you're moving way too fast. You hear that, slow down. I'm guessing that maybe they were in there somewhere, but it said like, 
like slow down, you're moving way too fast. And it was like, you're doing that which can't be found or something. It was something, I, I have to look it up because I can't remember, but I remember there was other lyrics written down. Okay. Like for every line, there was, you're moving way too fast and there was a line under it that didn't get sung that you couldn't hear. Slow down, you know you'll never last. And then another line that didn't get sung. Yeah, and then maybe as a consequence of rushing production. They probably intended to put them in. And yeah, them yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I got it from Columbia House. Maybe they were trying to sabotage Ozzy. <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's always a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the line. I tried to tell you. Oh, this is another line that he could be singing to Ozzy. I tried to tell you time and time again. You know you'll have to pay the consequence. Now you're obsessed with such a pace. But slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> uh, here's some more lyrics. You seem to run in. Oh, I like these. You seem to run around and round in vain. Now, th this has got to be Aussie, right? People are saying that you've gone insane. <laughs> Tell That's me just pretty obvious, yeah, right? Yeah. Tell me just what you're running from. One day you're here, and the next you're gone. And then I said, the guitar solo is preceded by a cool intro part, followed by a killer solo section from Jake E. Lee. I absolutely love it. Uh, great bass playing. Great drumming, great vocals, and guitar playing. I absolutely love it. The little keyboard part could have been left out, but, <gasps> I, but I still like it. No. And I love how the song ends. And join the human race. Yeah, yeah. Race. Race. <laughs> race. da da da, -da. And then it just fades into... Uh, yeah, I did like that too. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Then then we get the fade into this. Waiting for darkness. Is it me first? Uh, uh, I think so. Did you do? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, I think. Wait. So. Slow down. No, you did slow down. I did slow down at the end because I was just reading all the yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll do waiting for darkness. Last up. Yes. Is waiting I, for darkness. I, I think based upon your last little uh, <sighs> little journey down into that song, you pretty demonstrate how much you like it, dude. That okay. Just <laughs> gonna let you see. I'll highlight it just so you'll know what to look okay, at. Okay. Okay. Let me be perfectly clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I freaking <laughs> love this song. I've always loved it. I love the, uh, well, the fade in. Okay. That it's got that real dark. Yes. And then, and then that, um, I don't know what, what you wouldn't call that. That's not an arpeggiated. What Jake's doing on guitar, I don't know what you would call that. I have a name for it. I'll, I'll tell you my review. I love that. I love yeah, the yeah. way he's doing that. Uh, I said dark fade in, then the drums and bass come in and add to the vibe, the dark vibe. And then Jake comes in with that, I call it a riff, but I know it's not a riff. He's just 
you know, whatever I just played. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love the way that sounds. Um, I said, dark song. Ozzy's vocals are on it. I love the verses. Not just on it, but they are like awesome. Awesome. Okay. Okay. I love the chorus. Okay. I love the verses. Sure. I love the lyrics. Okay. Oh, here comes something. Bob Daisley's bass line behind the verses are perfect. Perfect. Okay. The pre-chorus. I know what they'll find. It's in their mind. It's what they want to see. God, I love that. Spare me from the light. Here comes the night. And here I'll stay waiting for darkness. <laughs> another of the themed lyrics toward those that are against Ozzy, I think. You know, it's, it's another yeah, yeah, yeah. another something that I identify another with. Another spinning in the eye of those who criticize. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is, I said, and then they'll see instead of giving a fair judgment. Well, it says, I said, another of the theme lyrics toward those that are against Ozzy and what they will see instead of giving a fair judgment. I know what they'll find. It's in their minds. It's what they want to see. Right, right. Exactly. I love I love that. I've always related to these lyrics, too. Mm-hmm. Another one. Imagine this. Another killer song that I relate to the lyrics on. Just like, You're No Different <laughs> and Rock and Roll Rebel. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, uh, I've always related to this. And this part is unique, too, because it's got bass under it instead of guitar. Uh, I know what they'll find, you know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I love the guitar riff from this song. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read you a few lyrics now. Oh, yeah. We've got to do it now. That's tradition. I love. I mean, it's just tradition. I said, like, I love the line where he says, give me my freedom, and then you lock me in a tomb. And I love that line. The bridge takes a major key happy turn just for a second. The, <laughs> the lead into the solo continues to the dark vibe of the song. Right. And I love the solo. It starts with like single notes that he holds out. Yeah, yeah, I talk about that too. Uh, and that sounds freaking awesome too. Uh, then it just kind of fades into the background, which is weird. Okay. Uh, then there comes like a chanting type of noise toward the end of the song, which just adds to the intensity. Okay. You know, I know what you'll find. It's in your mind. It's what you want to see. Uh, this song isn't totally perfect, but I love it. I love the way this song ends so quickly as well. Okay. Um, okay, I'll stop right there. I've got my ending thing that I want to go through here too. <laughs> but uh, I give this to me. This is a. I know I said it's, it's perfect, not perfect. Like 11, 10. It's not. It's not perfect, but it's this final type of letter for me. I absolutely love yeah, it. Love it. Okay. I like the darkness of it. Sure. Okay. Awesome. So you think I'm going to like this one? Yeah. Yeah. You think I'm going to like it? Yeah, you'll okay. like it. Okay. Cool. Let's find out. I saw your face when I was playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it that just sort of gave me away? Is that right? A little bit. A little okay. bit. Okay. The album closer. Okay, I like this one. It has a really good feel with the intro doing a build that I think is one of the better on the album set. With the bass setting a tone that leads into the main riff that really kicks the song hard. I love that. Mm-hmm. that, that coming in with the bass line and uh, just how it just sets the whole tone overall. I just love songs like that. The riff is a really cool modal pattern that serves as a great counterpoint to Arzy's lyrics. So it's kind of a modal pattern that Jay oh, does. Is that what he called yeah, it? Okay. it? Yeah. Not sure who did the main songwriting here since that is a point of contention, but it works really well. Okay. I guarantee you, Ozzy didn't write that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's your best part, Steve. The only criticism, once again, is the keyboard's doubling the guitar and almost ruining the feel of the song. I hate that keyboard part that he does on top of Jake's. Um, however, I, I look past this and enjoy what Jake is contributing here. 
Ozzy also has some awesome melody lines that I think are some of the best on the album. This is the type of song that I think of when I think of Ozzy's catalog. Not a no bones movie, but then again, no, no bone movie. (laughs) No bones movie. The bass and drums here also deserve some serious credit since the interplay between them is just magic. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely on board with that. The verses are blessedly devoid of keyboard. Thank God. (laughs) And has some really great rhythm playing by Jake. The bridge finds us, finds that Jake continues to feel with a very good motif. Uh Oh, throwing a fancy word. Uh, that reminds me a little bit of Randy and it sounds great until uh, a keyboard, more keyboard. <laughs> it does. However, make me look forward to the solo that starts with lots of promise with some bluesy bends and strangely and disappointingly drops in the mix against the keyboards again with some crowd effect. It sounds like Jake is really providing some tasty lead figures only to be buried by some unnecessary crap. Once again, he has pushed back. I find it hard to believe that Jake is the major songwriter when his playing is so minimized, but I could be wrong. The song returns to the main roof with no outro soloing to speak of, but we do have a continuation of Jake's rhythm playing that thankfully dominates to, to the non-fade ending that really works. I really miss the outro solos of Randy here, and Jake is shut down from, from doing the same thing. Still one of the better on the album. Yeah. Lastly, I do want to mention that the production in this album is not the best. The first song was done really well with the rest hovering around mediocre. The songwriting overall is not nearly as good as the first two Randy albums with the inclusion of keyboard that detracts from the sound. Take away the keyboards and make Jake provide more leads and the album would have been much better in my view. 8 out of 10. Okay. 8 out of 10 is good. I mean, to me, if Bark at the Moon was not on this album, this would be the best song on the album. I love it. It would be... But this is this either this song or Slow Down for me would be the best song. <laughs> That's surprising. And uh, real quick, um, I think I owe you an apology. Oh my goodness! Because when I introduced you, don't look. <laughs> when I introduced you on the show, yeah, I forgot to play your theme song. Oh my god! So let's pretend we're at the beginning of the show, and I'm okay. going to pretend and go, "Hey, everybody." Who is it? When you hear this music, you know who's here. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Mark hates that song. Yes, I do hate that song. It's the dumbest riffs written in rock. It just, hey, 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 hey. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. I had some great stuff, but that's not one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, um, I love I love that song. I, I mean, I actually do agree with you. On it's that. always I it, do. It's, it's a really good song. It's not as good as the song "Diary of a Madman" that ends the last album. Oh, no, no, not even close. But it's but it's in the same. It does. It has the same effect in that it's kind of epic and it's kind of dark. Yes, you know, and so he ends both albums the same way. Whereas on the first album, it was what "Steal Away the Night." Is that how the end of the album ended? I uh, don't remember. Uh, it may have been, yeah, I think it was still with I think it was still later than I now now I just to make my joke, I'm not on the right uh I'm not on the <laughs> right, right I'm not on the right music anymore. Wait for you now. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I think uh yeah, it was it was uh it was still early than night. So yeah, you know, you had kind of a to me still early that's kinda of happy. You know, and you go yeah, from yeah, happy to, to, to yeah, Diary of a Madman. Yeah, so um but that's fine. I mean, you know I think the different songs it's good when you have variability. Yeah. And diversity. So now here's here's how I ended this. Here's how I ended my overall. I said, I know I may be biased, 
I mean, can you not tell? Yeah. But this was my intro to Ozzy. And I absolutely love this album. I mean, obviously, I said, Now You See It, Now You Don't is to me the only real weak link. And it's got some great parts to it. But saying all that, I don't skip anything when I listen to this. Uh, and I know this may be sacrilege. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to hate this. Okay. Uh, turn mine. <laughs> what is it, Steve? And I and I and I'm and, and I'm contradicting what I, something I said on the last episode oh we boy. did. Okay. I know this may be sacrilege, but yes. I like this album better than Blizzard of Oz or don't Diary of a Madman. Oh my God! Don't say it's, it. And it's because it's, it's because of when I where it's in, it's it's because like I always something I always say is music is relative, and sometimes when you get into something that time in your life, it can hold a different place into it. And I don't think this is a better album, but I like it better. I think Diary of a Madman is a better album, but I like Bark of the Moon better. I just, it's like I said, it, it, to me, it's probably the farthest back album that I remember listening to. I mean, unless you're going to well, go, okay, fair enough. There's a sentimental attachment. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like I said, that, that has, and so I'll, you know, I'll let you slide on that. So that's what I say. I mean, I don't think it's a better album than Diary because I think Diary is my favorite Aussie album. Yeah. Um, it's got my favorite Aussie song. Um, Me too. <laughs> but here's, here's how I said it, though. I said, I said, but I'm actually, I, I read it wrong what I wrote down. I know this may be sacrilege, but I may like this album more than either of the two Randy albums. And I absolutely love both of them, too. So okay. it's, it's not to take away from one or the other. Uh, I said, maybe I should say it like that. I just absolutely love all three of Ozzy's studio albums to this point. But there is no No Bone movies or Flying High again on this album. So take that for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I said, all in all, given the tragedy that occurred and the lack of time that Ozzy was probably really given to recover from it, because, you know, he immediately was back on tour a month later or less. He put together a group of musicians that wrote and recorded a freaking great album. A great feat given the circumstances. All right, this is what I would say. Okay. If you were to poll Aussie fans and you were to say to them, which is a better song, No Bone Movies or You're No Different? What do you think they would say? Um, I think a lot of people would say No Bone Movies for one reason only. It's a better song. <laughs> and that's not the reason. Two, I'll give you two letters that'll tell you why people would say that. Okay. R, R. <laughs> that's why. No Bone Movies is a throwaway song that they should have thrown away. If you remember what I said on the weekend. Yes, yes. It's, but, okay, granted, but, but, but compare the riff on No Bone Movies sure, sure. to the Casio garbage on this song. I don't think it's Casio garbage. Though. It's, it's a Casio garbage. Sorry. It's no, Listen. because if Jake, if Jake were allowed to actually do the riff on that song and actually come up with something awesome, your opinion is null because you, <laughs> because you like Rush. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I would say that okay. if, if my only complaint, I guess that's my big deal. Jake needed to play more. That's really the bottom line. I don't he disagree. Needed play, he needed to play more on this album. Get rid of the keyboard stuff. 
And I think it would have been a much better, much better album overall. Okay, well, and and, and those songs could have shined much better. Well, and I would have sometimes, and and, I, and and I'm not going to say exactly what, but you'll know exactly what I'm referring to when I say this. Sometimes, sometimes lyrics can make you not like a song, right? Sure. Well, we had a conversation recently, <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. I'm not yeah. going to go into it. Sure. But compare the lyrics on "You're No Different" and "No Bone Movies." <laughs> Okay, I'll grant you that. Garbage on no bone. Uh, I'll grant you that. And I'll grant you, but just I'm just talking instrumentation. That's it. I can tell you now. I will say, I mean, yeah, obviously the riff that the it's a good, and I even said that on the on the um, Blizzard episode. I like the riff, right? I don't like what they do with the riff. <laughs> of course, I mean because it's it's. I think you I think you had said it sounded like a something from the seventies, like yeah. a seventies song, just like a seventies well, no, generic no, no, no. You're, rock you're, you're song. You're getting confused with Flying High again. Flying High Game would sound more 70s to me. Well, to me, no, but movies just sound like a, it just sound like a song that anybody could have wrote and recorded in the 70s. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. any, any spare rock band that didn't make it anywhere in life. Unfortunately, it was written by Randy Rhodes, and, you know, I had to sit here and insult it, but I, <laughs> I like his riff. I don't like anything. I mean, I probably like the guitar solo. Yeah. But I just don't, um, I would never, I mean, I'm telling you, I listen to Blizzard of Oz. No Bone Movies is getting ready to start. I'm waiting for it to pop up on my screen and say No Bone Movies just so I can press the skip button. Hit the skip button. I don't think I've ever skipped. You're no different. I just, I love the song. It's just, like I said, it's it's a good song if you take out the the, the keyboard. Yes. I mean, I like it. I I don't know why. I understand why you would, but a a standard like metal guy Uh that likes hard rock or metal listening to that keyboard crap. I can't see them liking it that much. Oh no! I mean, you figure Ozzy's fans know him, and it's and it's it's got an eerie sound to it. It's not like you know because it's got that fade in. It does not sound like a, a Casio keyboard because like, like I'm sorry, it it doesn't sound like a Casio <laughs> keyboard. It's it's it not. makes me want to vomit, Steve. <laughs> it's so bad. Just play it, play it. Yeah. <laughs> Choose to criticize this song, you're making me your enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, telling you, man, it was one of those things. If I had walked in on the session, like listening to that song being recorded, I'd see that idiot behind the keyboard, I would have shot him. I would say, oh, Come God, on, dude, get God. off the keyboard, it's man. Just, it's, what it's, they, it's trash. It's what they I'm wanted. Sorry, out of the they wanted something that was kind of uh, gave you a heartfelt, sentimental, creepy feel, and that's what that does. It's a good song. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I love this. Like I said, I, okay, if, if you were to take out the keyboard and just have Bob Daisley play and Jake just doing exactly what they had just done without the keyboard, it would have made it a better song. That's yeah, all my point. But to me, those guitar swells that he does really work well because there's something that's already there. Granted, it might have would have sounded good without it too, but I just no, think... No, it would have. No doubt. Guess what? It's been there since 1983 <laughs> and you can't change it. I know. It's a very sad that I can't. Okay. But anyway, that's so, my frustration. Yeah, okay, so. 
<laughs> okay, so this is what I said next. Okay. Now, no Aussie album would be complete without its fair amount of controversy. Right. Sure. Well, here is your controversial segment for Bark at the Moon. I wish I had like a news clip. Oh, wait. We didn't do the, the song love, song order. But anyway. No, did, uh, you, did you do the song order? Uh, I can I could probably do it for you in a minute. But okay. I'm going to do this real okay. quick since okay. I'm already here. Uh, I said Bark at the Moon is the only Aussie album on which the songwriting is credited solely to Aussie. However, guitarist Jakey Lee maintains that he composed a significant amount of the album's music, but was cheated out of his writing and publishing claims by Osborne's wife and manager, Sharon. That that just doesn't seem like their character. (laughs) Yeah, shocking, right? Yeah. Lee claims that after he had composed the songs and completed recording his parts in the studio, he was presented a contract that stated he would have no claim to any writing or publishing relating to this album. The contract also stated that Lee could not mention this publicly. He claims he signed the contract because he had no legal representation and because Sharon threatened to fire him and have another guitarist re-record all of his parts. Scum. Okay. Ozzy's bassist at the time, Bob Daisley, has mirrored Lee's account of the album's production, saying that he co-wrote most of the music with Jake and wrote the vast majority of the lyrics. He uh, Daisley stated he accepted a buyout from Osborne in exchange for writing, uh, for a writing credit. Uh, Lee Kerslake, his former drummer that played on the first two Aussie uh, solos, Blizzard and Diary, uh, he played with uh, Daisley in Uriah Heep after leaving Osborne's band. He stated that Daisley had been hired by Sharon Osborne to write Bark the Moon, the album, for fifty to sixty thousand dollars or whatever it was. Okay. He was offered the chance to write with Ozzy words, music, write the album. Another interesting note, and this is something that cracks me up. Another interesting note is that Carmine Apice, you know, and his, bro- his brother, Vinny Apice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the same yeah, last yeah. name, they say it different. Um, Carmine Apice played drums for part of this tour. I don't know if you've read this quote that I'm going to read. It's hilarious. Aldridge departed after recording of the album and was briefly replaced by Carmine. Uh, but he, but uh, <laughs> Tommy Aldridge returned mid-tour after Apathy was removed by the Osbournes. When asked why Aldridge was brought back, Ozzy told Hit Parader magazine in early 1984 for health reasons. Apathy was making me sick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, that can mean many things. Yeah, that, that's hilarious. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, okay, so you want to rate the songs in order? You have yours in order. I do. Okay, let me look real quick here. And um, okay, okay. No, actually, go, okay. So I start from worst. Okay, and then the, the top song. My worst. Let's just do one at a time. You give your worst. I'll give mine. I'm, okay. I'll go. I'll go first. My worst is now you see it, now you don't. Okay. What's your worst? You can guess what my worst is, right? (laughs) You're no different. Yep. God. That's my worst. You suck. (laughs) Okay. uh, Next up for me would be, um, and this may not reflect on the things I actually said, so I don't know because I'm doing this at the spur of the moment. I'm going to say my next one would be Center of Eternity. Whoa. Yeah, that's a, that's a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mine would be Now You See It, Now You Don't. 
Okay, so we're close on that at least. Uh, my next one up would be uh, my next one's gonna be so tired. Whoa, we agree. I'm on the okay. That's, that's where mine is. Okay, next one for me is going to be. You're probably not going to like this. <laughs> Next one for me is going to be slow down. Whoa. I don't know what number we're on right now. It's five. Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mine is Rock and Roll Rebel. Okay. My next one up is going to be... We got four left. Four songs left? Yes, four songs. Next one's going to be You're No Different. My number four. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Mine is Center of Eternity. My next song, uh, my number three song on this album is going to be... Ooh, man, this is getting dicey here. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, next one is going to be... God, um, oh, this is tough, man. This is tough. <laughs> Tell me your number three, and then I'll... Give oh, me, you're a cheat now. I get it. I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying uh, to look at these. My songs. number three is Waiting for Darkness. <sighs> man, I'm trying to think. It's hard for me to think if I want to put... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go number three, Rock and Roll Rebel. Okay. My number two is going to be Waiting for Darkness. Okay. I figured you would go with that. Um, my number two is, you guessed it. Rock and Roll Rebel? No. Waiting for Darkness? No. Slow Down. Slow Down. Okay. That's and right. then we agree on the number one then, the title track? Yep. Okay. No doubt. Yeah. Well, so we our, our ratings aren't too terribly far off, you know. Yeah, they're pretty. Close. We had a couple that were different, but that's yeah. you know yeah. that's that's to be expected. I mean, uh, when you're as hated and despised as you are, <laughs> you know it's it's it's, it's understandable. As wrong as I am, right? yeah, you know everyone uh, knows that you're wrong and things like that. So, so okay, I, I think the biggest controversy between the two of us the, is obviously the, track over, two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, over the mountain kind of controversy or no bone movies. You're no different. That's the song. That's our controversial song. That's our controversial song. What's it going to be on the next album? (laughs) Another album. I'm not going to say anything about that album. I'll just give you a hint. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably something I don't like on there, but I haven't, I have to, uh, to take a look at it. But, um, do you have any closing uh, comments on this album? Uh, yeah, I would say that it's a good album. And I, uh, I want to emphasize that it is good, not great. The first song is awesome, and the rest of the songs are anywhere between decent to good to horrible. But there's it's 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 unique in my mind because like Randy albums, there's so much awesomeness on them that everything was just you know there's no skip songs in my view. <laughs> you may disagree, but but here there's like some really bad keyboard stuff going on in bad production that kind of hinders the albums and they should have let Jake play more than they, than they did. So given those considerations in mind, and I, yeah, think I can understand all that. The songwriting was, was good, but I think Randy was better. Or Randy Owens. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I probably think those are better albums, but I love this album. Like I said, it's there's sentimental value to it. And I don't have that many albums that are like that. Like, I was talking, I've talked to, you know, obviously it's Iron Maiden Zone, and I've talked to a lot of people about Iron Maiden, and the first album I ever got from Iron, well, the first thing I ever got was a live album, 
Sure. I can, there's at least four albums, four live albums by Iron Maiden that I rank higher than that album, the album that got me into Iron Maiden. And the first studio album that got, you know, that I ever got as a fan when it came out was Somewhere in Time. Okay. That is not my favorite studio album by Iron Maiden. I, I have at least three albums that I rank higher than that. At least. Hmm. So the sentimental part doesn't work on that end of it for me. I love this album. I mean, Waiting for waiting for Darkness, Bark at the Moon, Rock and Roll Rebel, You're No Different. Those four songs, I love those four songs. Okay. I, know, I know you disagree on You're No Different, but I love those four songs. Um, I like Slow Down. I like So Tired. We actually agree on a lot yeah. here, surprisingly. But the, the, you're no different. It's the only one that we just like. No way. Yeah, Center of Eternity and Now You See It, Now You Don't. That was my bottom two, I believe, that I yeah, ranked. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I don't hate those. There's there's parts that I like on both of them, you know. So, anyway, uh, so that's going to close us out. I don't really have any parting words other than what I just said. I love the album. I, like, I have a lot of sentimental ties to it, lyrically and everything. So, uh, I'll just thank you for your time and... Uh, uh, when I do, when I record the intros and everything like that, I'll make sure to give your address where everyone can send their hate mail. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, the show. Steve. It was awesome. Yeah, and great. This, and I will add, this is the first time on any podcast I've recorded, other than having my daughter sitting here next to me, maybe that I've done a full episode with somebody sitting right across from me. Which, if you've ever seen Mark, which you haven't, thank you, lucky star. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yes, I have the perfect face for for podcasting. (laughs) Yeah, you got a you got a face for radio. All right, thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Another rock and metal edition of the Zone is in the books. I hope that you've enjoyed it. So stay safe out there and keep the hate alive for the most hated man in podcast land. (laughs) 